to your rights at work with me chris garlock and ed smith we're back we're live and this is a show about your rights on the job the ones you have the ones you don't have the ones you wish you had you can call us your questions about worker rights 202-588-0893 you can tweet us your questions at dc labor no questions too big or too small we are a proud founding member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Over 100 shows just like this across the country. You can check them out at laborradionetwork.org. On today's shows, we have a ton of labor news to discuss, including the Teamsters say they're going to organize Amazon. And Barbara Krieger from Nabit Local 31 is going to talk about workers under assault at Montgomery Community Television And Nikki Cole is going to preview tonight's panel on wages, benefits, and fair pay. 20 years at D.C. Jobs with Justice. Ed, so good to see you again, my brother. Good to see you. Uh, You're back from the North Country, I see. Did a big swing to catch up with family after way, way too long. Everybody is healthy. Uh, I don't know about wealthy and more or less wise, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, listen, I don't know if uh, you're going to surprise me with any labor news um, oh, from, yeah. up, from upstate New York, but I think there were some things going on in um, Buffalo, maybe Rochester. Yeah, they got it. They, it was a whole bunch of things, a whole other bunch of things, not really specifically labor related. But uh, the bottom line is that uh, as as my old boss and friend Jim Hightower uh, was fond of saying, the people are revolting and in a good way uh, all across the country. Uh, some very interesting uh, upsets politically uh, up there in upstate New York, which, as you know, being a fellow upstate New Yorker is a can be a fairly conservative part of the country. So interesting to see what's going on there. But no, just a couple of news headlines before we get to Barbara. Um, and I just got this. This is literally just in off the uh, the news ticker. The editorial staff of Washingtonian Magazine have been organizing with my union, the uh, News Guild, uh, to form a union. They've asked management to recognize the union. We will be following that. So exciting news there. And as I mentioned at the top, uh, the Teamsters, have, uh, re- they've just been having their convention, Ed, and they have a big plan to organize Amazon workers. I hope to have somebody on the show next week to give us more insight into this. Uh, but this is rather than the last effort at Bessemer, which was kind of, I think was called hot shop organizing, right, Ed, where, you know, you were, you, you did this kind of stuff where something will just sort of bubble up and it's not necessarily the the place that you would have picked, but the workers are, you know, rambunctious and ready to go. And you just sort of jump right. on it. Right. Sometimes it Rather works than, and sometimes it doesn't. Right. Rather than a um, institutional decision from the union on targeting um, a, a, a uh, corporation with various um, locations. Yes. This one was more of a, um, 
you know, kind of got a lead from somebody and it's like, okay, let's follow the lead rather than uh, more institutionally developing a union, union organizing uh, campaign, if you will. Well, and we'll find out more about this, but uh, just from what I was reading uh, over, over the last couple of days, uh, Teamsters really feel like a couple of things. One is, you know, the Teamsters drive all kinds of things and they feel like Amazon, you know, which has, you know, you know they're delivering, you know, and so mm-hmm. they feel like they're in the same business, you know, logistics, delivering, uh, and they feel like the Teamsters are a natural fit for that. Also, interestingly, and I need to find out more about this, Ed, but it looks like they're not going to go the NLRB election uh, route, that they're really going to just do uh, pressure and, and a bunch of tactics to just sort of go and organize. And I know that this is something we've followed. Uh, the, when you go the election route, we've covered this over the years. You got to file, you know, it becomes a whole legalistic mumbo jumbo as opposed to just basically going in and organizing folks and putting pressure on the company. So, again, I'm looking to right. get somebody to report on that. Uh, probably in the next week or very, so very exciting old school going back 100 <laughs> going back 190 years or well, 190 te- years i should say not 190 right well the teamsters are an interesting union they like to say they've got a big uh, artwork in their lobby it's on my labor uh, my labor walk in dc and they like to organize say they organize everybody from a to z uh, you know uh, aerospace workers to zookeepers so you know <laughs> amazon would fit right in the uh, in the a part of that all right listen folks if you've got uh, if you want to talk about any of these issues or whatever else is on your mind uh, you've got ed and chris here live uh, and so if you've got questions about worker rights 202-588-0893 mike nacelle is standing by we'll hook you up but in the meantime uh, I got word uh, while I was, uh, you know, traveling from from Barbara Krieger. She's assistant for president of NABIT uh, CWA Local 31 about a bit of a situation at Montgomery Community Television, and I was like, "Oh Lord, here we go again." I, it, I've never seen good news coming out about MCT, and as somebody who lives here in Montgomery County, I have to say I'm a bit disappointed. But we've got Barbara on the line. Uh, and and uh, Barbara, welcome to Your Rights at Work. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate well, it. Very happy to have you, but uh, I'm, I'm sad. Uh, you know, we, we never have you on to give us good news, but uh, what, what the heck is going on there at the no, it's, it's, uh It's despicable. Um, for those that don't know, I figured I'd give you a little, little history um, about MCT. It is also known as MCM in Montgomery County. It is a under the cable television communications plan that is funded by the local government and by our tax in Montgomery County. Um, What it actually is, according to the program description, and this is given when they did the budget, they just were approved for almost $3 million. And that just went through just before they fired, excuse me, laid off three (laughs) of our members, three of Uh our senior members. Now, what what Montgomery, um, well, I call it MCT. Call it MCT. We're just getting started. MCT is what I call it. (laughs) Anyway, um, Montgomery County supports them through a contract with Montgomery Community Television. So Montgomery County funds Montgomery Community Television, MCT. Got it. MCT operates two community media cable television channels. That's important. Television channels. It also provides media technology training 
to the county, again, very important when I get into who they fired, and community organizations. It produces independent, diverse, and informative cable programming. That's what the county wants them to do. Okay. And so mission is to provide media, television production, technology training, and opportunities to interact with the county, government, and public. It is media, the powerful media, quote unquote, powerful media of television and internet. Now, what they did was get rid of three of our union members. They're claiming that it's a reorganization, although they've not given us any information uh, as to what they're reorganizing or how they're reorganizing. And they got rid of the playback supervisor, which for anybody in television knows, how do you get rid of a playback supervisor? And that's the only playback person they have. Oh my gosh. Wow. Now, how do you keep a television station on the air without your playback? Then they got rid of the equipment technician, which anybody in the media, radio or television knows that's the person who repairs your equipment. According to the <laughs> my company, favorite person, Barbara. He's everybody's favorite person. And when I talked to him, he was like, how can they say I'm not essential? Somebody stopped him in the hallway as they were going out the door and their tripod needed a, a bolt and he fixed it. Now, what the company's saying is that he's not essential because now get this, the company is sending all of their equipment back to the manufacturer to be fixed. Oh, because good, 40, good luck with that. <laughs> right. I mean, how would you run a station if we all sent our equipment back to the manufacturer? You'd never have anything to work with. So they're saying he's not essential. Playback's not essential. And then the face of the place for the people who come in to get equipment, they're what they call the media resource technician. They deemed him non-essential. Now, this gentleman had just been back. He had been in He'd been medevaced. He'd been in three hospitals. He comes back two days later. They bring him into the office and they say, how are you doing? And he said, oh, I, I, I'm doing better. I, I wanted to come back to work. And they said, you're fired. This was the, when you told me this, Barbara, this was the thing that really got my attention because, you know, I, and I, you know, we've been actually covering this and I've got a lot more stories uh, coming up. We've been seeing just these horror stories about companies using the pandemic as sort of a cover uh, for doing all sorts of nefarious things. I have to say, and Ed, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, firing somebody when they're just coming back from a serious medical condition, that, that's got to be the current uh, winner here, right, Ed? <laughs> um, yeah, it seems to be. Uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, I, I, do you mind if I ask a question here, Chris? No, absolutely. Just uh, we got four minutes left in this segment, so don't don't uh, do one of your don't do one of your long you know Ed Ed things here. I will not do my patented. You uh, can't yeah. answer this in four minutes or less. Question. Uh, well, uh, first of all, Barbara, thanks for coming out. Um, I have kind of a two part two part question. Uh, one of the things you said is they haven't even explained the reorganization. Now, of course, as you may or may not know, I'm a union. Uh, uh, I work for a union, and um, we have contracts. I assume you have a contract with this contractor yes. and most contracts say, if you're going to make a change governing uh, employment issues that affect workers, which clearly layoffs are, you have to provide the union with notice and an opportunity to bargain over the impact of the decision. And you have to give the union uh, whatever information that is relevant that the union requests. So number one, 
I'm assuming they're not doing that and you're probably going litigation. And then number two, more from a policy, from a political fight standpoint, uh, you know, I know many unions endorse uh, Mark Eldridge, who is, El who is the um, Eldridge, who's the uh, head of uh, Montgomery County. I can't remember. It's not the mayor, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, has he, right. Thank you. County executive. Has there been any pressure on the county executive to have a little discussion with this uh, uh, wayward um, contractor? So Chris, I held it up, right? <laughs> you only used up two, two, two of the four minutes. So good, good job. <laughs> Go ahead, Barbara. Um, first of all, and I had explained this to Chris that they literally two days prior to this had finished the um, uh, budget. budget. So with that, I think everybody's tied up in exuberation <laughs> that they, they've done that. So um, I have not been able to contact anyone yet. I have attempted. Um, I, I went first to the council and, and, and haven't broken through that glass ceiling yet. But um, to answer your other question, we, of course, um, were outraged. We had no heads up. The employees had no heads up. They literally were called into the office and fired. The next day, they had a Zoom to explain to the rest of us what had happened to these folks. So no, and we, we yes, for effects bargaining, that is in the contract. We have asked about that. We put in, you know, formal requests with questions and they came back saying that that was not pertinent. They didn't have to answer that. So we still don't know what this reorganization is um, and they have not answered that. Uh, and how it affects our employees, it affects them tremendously. Uh, especially, I, I know on the Zoom call, there were a couple people who asked about fixing the equipment. They were like, who, who do we go to? Isaac, the gentleman who was the equipment person, Isaac had been there for 25 years. My God. 25 years. And he was the only person. And in the contract, he is supposed to do all of the repair. And it's written oh. of the repairs. Barbara, you know what I would be doing? See, I play music and, and um, I've been gigging for 30 years. And almost every gig, there's some slight problem. So I know what I'd be doing. Any slight problem whatsoever. You sent, you know, the employees need to go management. This is, I got this problem with my mic. Work the my, rule, my baby. Cord, work the rule. My cord is not uh, wrapped right. Oh, I can't work. Right. So, and keep in mind, which is why I read the, the, the mission statement there. Keep in mind, this equipment goes out to the public. How many times did we get equipment back? I worked in the facilities that, that did this. Mm. How many times did I get equipment back that was broken? Um, you know, and nine times out of 10, small repairs, but needed to be repaired. You didn't send it out to the warranty. You know, it wasn't under warranty. It's small stuff that you give to Isaac and Isaac fixes it like this and goes to his little tool chest with all his nuts and bolts and says, here you go. Done. Right. Not Absolutely. There. Barbara, we're going to have to wrap this segment, but we do want to keep on top of this as it moves forward. As you know, um, I forwarded your your note to uh, my councilman, Tom Hucker, who uh, got back to me right away. He was in the middle of working on the budget, but I know that he he's probably listening. He's a fan of the show, uh, and I definitely uh, want you to follow up with him uh, and then keep us posted at the Metro Council as well, because the broader community needs to know about what's going on with this. You just can't have, you know, employers just sacking, you know, longtime union employees 
you know, this is clearly in violation of the contract and just just decency normally, but particularly where we are with this pandemic, uh, it just really, you know, hurts my heart to, to see this. So thank you so much for bringing this to our attention. Continue to keep us posted uh, and, and uh, our best to everybody there at NABIT Local 31, okay? Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time to get the word out there. This has just been tragic. Yep. Hang you. in there. We've got your back, all right? Okay. Okay. Barbara Krieger, she's works with the president there at NABIT CWA Local 31. You can also keep up with uh, what's going on with that at dclabor.org. Again, you are listening to Your Rights at Work with uh, Chris Garlock and Ed Smith. You've got questions about your worker rights. If you've seen something like you just heard about, somebody getting fired or quote-unquote laid off, and it doesn't look or smell right to you, give us a call, 202-588-0893, and uh, we'll we'll put uh, Ed's big brain to work on that problem for you. Right, Ed? (laughs) Big, my big brain. You know, um, fortunately, they're they're represented by a labor union because the the National Labor Relations Act is pretty darn clear on what employers must do when they're going to change working conditions. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm not fully aware of every fact here, but from what Barbara was saying, this is uh, a no brainer violation of labor law that because they are part of a union, they are going to get relief. Absolutely. All right. Next up, there is a panel tonight on wages, benefits, and fair pay. 20 years of DC jobs with justice. And we've got joining us a, a longtime friend and actually a neighbor of mine, uh, Nikki Cole. Uh, she She's, well, she's got so many things going on. You have she's, the coolest neighbors, man. I know. Well, you do know. They, <laughs> do they all talk to you or do they kind of turn their head when you're running by? <laughs> oh, no, no. We all walk together, man. All right. Just, <laughs> right. I didn't know she was a neighbor until I was out of one of my COVID walks a couple of months ago. And Nikki came and practically tackled me. I, I, I didn't know who it was. This is. This, this, <laughs> woman in a mask. I was like, oh, it's Nikki Cole. But uh, no, she's a, for for the purposes of this, the the key thing is that she was a former executive director at DC Jobs with Justice. Uh, That's how I really got to work with her. But she's now Unicerve director for the Maryland State Education Association. She's also a campaign strategist. She's a trainer. She's a career coach. She's a fundraiser. She's probably a whole bunch of other things, but that's all we have time for, Nikki. But so glad you could spend some time with us this afternoon. Thank you for inviting me. Always a pleasure. So tell us about, uh, I mean, it's a 20-year, my God, I remember, you know, when we first started DC Jobs with Justice in the basement over there at uh, Hillel and the GW campus. Is it really 20 years already? I know. I can't believe it. Um, (laughs) It is. I was um, there for the mid-years, like year 11 to 15, um, and so I'm, I just can't believe that it's been, um, five or six years since I was directly leading at DC Jobs Justice. Time does fly, but yeah, it's been 20 years. Well, and, and Jobs with Justice has just done so, so much over those 20 years. It's just, I mean, you'd almost need another year just to go into. And, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, it almost seems like an organization that doesn't even have time to look back. It's, its current plate is so full, right? 
but talk, talk a little bit before we get into the panel tonight. I want to make sure we have time to talk about that because folks can join that. It is online. But talk about you were there for the teen years, you know, and, and those those were some tough years, had a lot of things going on. What, what were some of the highlights of some of your sort of maybe highlights and lowlights? I don't know. <laughs> yes, so much, so much happened. Um, when I, um, well, actually, I was with um, Jobs and Justice for really, I mean, <sighs> so highlights go back to your question. Um, one highlight was uh, just the way that I moved through the organization and the way that other people can move through the organization. It's an incredible um, space for leadership development. Um, I got into organizing as a restaurant worker and had formed uh, Rock DC um, along with um, some other phenomenal people and um, we joined, our organization joined DC Jobs with Justice. Um, and that's how I first got involved with developing relationships with people. Um, and so, you know, that's another one of the highlights is just the incredible um, people that I got to meet while I was there over this long period, the people that I'm still meeting there who are growing the organization and themselves. Um, it's just an incredibly beautiful and powerful intentional network. Um, so uh, campaign wise, though, uh, yeah, it was some very tumultuous times. Um, um, when I became the executive director, we were at this unique period when um, the Walmart Corporation was poised to bring eight stores into the district. And it was very controversial for a number of reasons. Um, and so that campaign was one of the most intense experiences of my life. There was a sign in everyone's yard in DC um, about the campaign, you know, um, everyone was talking about it. Hundreds of people showed up to town halls, to um, council hearings, to small community meetings, to trainings, to like, you know, learn how to organize better around this issue. It was really a phenomenal um, time of just diverse groups of people coming together in order to win some accountability. The campaign um, ended up in the whole city of DC's minimum wage being raised. And that's a highlight because it wasn't just DC, it was also Prince George's County and Montgomery County that agreed to a regional minimum wage at the time. I think they ended up raising it to $11.50 or $12. Um, and of course, since then, we've we've grown on um, from that point, thank goodness. Um, but at that point, the minimum wage hadn't been raised, I think, in more than six years. So it was like long overdue. It was a, a big deal. Um, other highlights? Um, I mean, let me just was, jump in and let me just jump in and reintroduce yeah. you for folks who are just joining us. We're talking with Nikki Cole. She's a former executive director at DC Jobs with Justice. She's now Uniserve Director for Maryland State Education Association. And just to let folks know, DC Jobs with Justice is it's an organization that kind of occupies a, a space uh, between the labor movement and community organizations. So it's got a lot of labor unions involved. 
uh, the Metro Council where I work was, was very involved. Josh Williams was very involved in, in forming it, but it's also got an incredibly strong community base. Uh, and that's very intentional because, frankly, when Jobs with Justice, the national organization started, a lot of unions were not really comfortable um, working, frankly, with some of these community organizations, which uh, for, for various reasons, uh, they just weren't comfortable. And so Jobs with Justice really was created to, to occupy that space and has become a real power uh, in its own right on the local level and on the national level. Uh, let me also bring uh, my co-host Ed Smith in, who I'm sure has questions or comments or go, go for it, Ed. As always, I can surprise you, Chris. I do Absolutely. Have and and as, as normally, I'll have a question and a comment. Well, first of all, Mickey, thank you for joining us. We, we always love to have you and others from uh, JWJ, uh, JWJ on the uh, show. Uh, I just want to give a plug. JWJ was extremely beneficial to uh, the DC Nurses Association during the um, uh, recent uh, and continued fight for healthcare equity in DC, in Southeast DC. We're going to continue that fight and we will continue to join with uh, JWJ and others. Um, but what I also find is that those of us in the know, of course, everybody that works in closely with Chris and, and other labor organizations, we're very familiar with JWJ, but you know, you go outside and uh, the regular Joe, you guys are like the best player on the city that nobody watches. And, you know, I guess my question is, is you know, being, being an executive director myself, when you were executive director, how do you, how do you kind of deal through that kind of land landmine in a way that, you, you know, you got, almost have to introduce yourself every single time and introduce what your organization is every single time, rather than, Chris mentioned the Teamsters about organizing Amazon. Well, you, nothing more needs to be said about that, right? But when you guys are moving on an issue, what? So tell me about some of that challenge that you had, and maybe still goes on today. And just a head up, Nikki, we just got four more minutes in this segment before we go to uh, a great song that you've never heard before about Scabby the Rat and Fatty the Cat. So. Ooh, I'm excited for that. Um, oh, yeah. Some of the challenges, being an executive director, navigating the landscape, um, you know, you're, you're the accountable person, you know, for everything. And so um, it can feel heavy at times. I think it's important to, um, one of the lessons I learned was to maintain a deliberate self-care routine um, <laughs> because the work can be all consuming. What's that? um and you know I think it's it was just important um for me to have a real joy um that that fueled me and kept me going I genuinely loved um our community the both labor and grassroots groups and people we were working with you know after working with folks for like eight years, like I was closer to some of those people than my own family. Like I see them more often um, out in the streets, advocating, standing up for DC workers' rights more often, you know, than I see other people. So um, just, just the resilience of people, the love and energy help keep me going. Um, and that self-care. Um, I didn't, I never really had a problem with like constantly introducing myself 
um yeah it didn't bother me you know um and and nikki nikki i have to say that the joy part you know you and 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 it's still true of you is that this work can be incredibly challenging as as we all know I, i never got the sense you know even during that walmart part which fight which was bitter it was bitter they were throwing so much money I mean, talk about David and Goliath, and, and JWJ is definitely David, and and Walmart is definitely Goliath, and I don't ever remember seeing you down. You know, you were up for that fight, so kudos to you on that one. Hey, <laughs> hey, on that note, and I know we want to plug the event, but on that yes, note, yes. has there been any training manual or, or thing that has talked about kind of uh, lessons learned from Walmart that that uh, JWJ uses or any other organization to the best of your knowledge. Cause to me, there were some really great things that happened out of that. There were some definitely horrible things that happened, but <laughs> what, what great lessons on what worked, what didn't work? Well, I think um, uh, certainly organization United for respect um, that locally and nationally um, came out of that, um, broader fight. I know that they have uh, trainings. They offer regular trainings, you know, from their experience and probably have a manual. So I want to shout out to them, the um, actual organized workers um, who are still organizing, trying to build power and shift things at Walmart. But um, Jobs of Justice has an incredible leadership and values-based uh, community organizing training that I know they talk about the campaign regularly as an example of what they learned. I don't know if there's like a secret or public manual <laughs> that you can get or if you just got to be in the network um, to get those lessons. Walmart. Uh- got a secret manual <laughs> so we got a wrap but give us give us a quick 15 second uh, pitch on why everybody should uh, sign up for the wages benefits and fair pay panel i think that's tonight at six of them not mistaken right yes yes um it's gonna be a great dynamic conversation we're gonna hear from uh jacob feinspan of Jews united for justice also matt hansen um who is the former um executive director of dc working families party um both dynamic people um, that have won incredible campaigns, led incredible campaigns for the citizens of D.C., So, um, and who are also important pieces of D.C. Jobs of Justice existence and founding. So um, get excited. I think it's going to be a robust conversation. Great. <clears throat> We've got a link, dclabor.org. Click on Calendar, and you too can join that conversation tonight. Nikki Cole, Always wonderful to see you. Can't wait to see you on my next walk around the neighborhood, but keep on doing the fabulous work that you're doing, okay? Thank you, and you too, Chris. All right. Nice to see you guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Nikki Cole, former executive director at DC Jobs with Justice, and they're doing a panel tonight on wages, benefits, and fair pay. 20 years at DC Jobs with Justice. That's tonight at 6 dclabor.org click on calendar and you can get all the details it's online you can join this now a real real treat and while uh i think kalia is on the board now right i think is that is that right is it's Kalia? yes all right kalia is on the board he's getting he's, well, he, he's queuing up this song this is nobody has heard this song ever before and that's because the genesis of it Uh, was that a couple of weeks ago, we ran a story on a demonstration that was happening up Strathmore Music. I think we talked about it on this show, Ed Smith. And I helped them to get uh, 
uh, big inflatable rat, big inflatable cat uh, to put out in front of Strathmore to sort of make the point about the bad stuff that's going on there and how they're treating their workers. And one of our readers in Union City uh, turns out to be a member of the Musicians uh, Union in, I think it's Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and wrote a song. And uh, took him a couple of weeks to actually, uh, you'll appreciate this as a musician, Ed. I was like, right away, I was like, I love, he sent me the lyrics. I was like, I love the lyrics. Where's the song? He's like, yeah, I'm working on it. <laughs> and uh, what have so, you done for me lately, Chris? <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. So, uh, Kalia, let, let's, uh, let's, let's give this, uh, let's, let's do a world premiere of uh, Scabby the Rat and Fatty the Cat. Here it is. Now listen up, people, I'm going to talk to you soon. Hear about some nasty creatures. Want to do what's wrong about a scabby old rat and a big fat cat. They want to starve the union folks. Bust the union down. We won't let them do it. No, no, we won't let them do it. No, no, we're going to put those major beasts back in the dump where they belong. Use your cats and rats I don't get along But these two are tight Yeah, just like Cheech and Chong But they're not making jokes They're serious as can be Doing all they can To bring God's solidarity We won't let them do it No, no, we won't let them do it No, no We're gonna put the major beast Back in the dump where they belong a fat cat feeds scabby, it'll make him strong. Gives him spies and consultants to do the work is wrong. But now we've got scabby's number. We answer to that call that says, injury to one, why it's an injury to all. We won't let him do it. No, no, we won't let him do it. No, no. We're gonna put those mangy beasts back in the dump where they belong. So bye-bye, Scabby. So long, fat cat. See you later, alligators. Hit the road, Jack. Reprehensible rodent. Mmm, fat Sophie lion. Time to pack your bags. Head on down the line. You ain't staying here. Time for you to go. You ain't staying here. Time hit the road. You'd better go, 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 go. Get the hell on out of here. All right, all right, all right. That is Gabby the Rat and Fatty the Cat. Todd Smith, he's vice president of Musicians Local 4 out of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, Ed Smith, uh, let me get your critical reaction, brother. Kudos, kudos, kudos. Uh, fun, fun recording. A little bluesy, almost a little New Orleans sound. Great vocals, fun guitar playing, and certainly uh, very funny and cool lyrics. I give it a thumbs, two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. I'm with you. That's four thumbs from from uh, your right to work. Chris Garlic, of course, here with Ed Smith. And... and, uh, and- Oh, we got a bingo bell. Two thumbs up and a bingo bell. All right. Well, uh, brother Smith, yeah, is he uh, any relation to, 
I don't know. I'll have to find out. But that was that was very fun. And I think it's really cool that he was listening and said, you know, I'm going to do something and wrote a cool tune. That's that's uh, hey, isn't that what PFW is about? Well, it's funny because he sent me the lyrics and I looked at them. And of course, I love the lyrics. But, uh, you know, and asked me, you know, when he, and it took him a couple of weeks before he recorded the song. And of course, I didn't know. I had no idea what it was going to sound like. I was like, I, I, I was like, yeah, we could we could do a pick a line. Anyway, 202-588-0893. Your rights at work. You got questions about your rights on the job. We are here to help. And so give us a call. Kalia will we'll connect you up. Uh, but all right, back to news headlines. We, I mean, we were... Uh, uh, off for the last couple of weeks. Hope you enjoyed the shows at Ram. But that means we've got a bit of uh, catching up on some some nothing new happened. News. Well, nothing I tell you what, gone, here here is another thing. We already talked Amazon organizing. We already talked about Washingtonian folks organizing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw this story on the Supreme Court ruling against union recruiting in California farms, Ed. Oh no, I was I thought you were going to talk about NCAA, but okay, yeah, go ahead. I'll talk about this, and then you can talk about that. Here's the interesting thing about that. I think this is a nuts ruling. Uh, basically, uh, the this is this is something that was unique, uh, a ruling that goes back, I want to say, to the 60s uh, when the farm workers were organizing. Where, So when you're organizing farm workers, right, they're on the farms. And uh, in fact, I was just reading a story about how it's just miserable for these folks. You got that incredible heat wave out in the West that's been going on. And the farm workers are just, you know, having a horrible time. But if you want to try and organize farm workers, you know, you really want to get to them on their breaks, you know, and, and uh, that's that's how you can talk to them. And so there was a, a special uh, law that allowed, you know, organizers to go onto the farms and talk to workers, obviously not go up to them in the fields while they're working. That wouldn't right. make sense. But, you know, when they're on, on water breaks and so forth and they could talk to them. Well. Well, I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but this is our sort of bread and butter. But they, the court uh, case that this was about, and you would know more about this, Ed, as our resident lawyer, but the, the employers were saying that this was a taking from them, right? That you're, you're, you're taking from their property rights, right? This mm. is their property. And that organizers being allowed to go onto their property was a taking and so that's why it was illegal. And that's basically what the Supreme Court uh, agreed with. And I'm, I'm obviously grossly oversimplifying, Ugh. but that's what it comes down to. Well, I, that one got passed. And, you know, but uh, Cesar Chavez is responsible for um, kind of getting that uh, in place in the first place because he, he went ahead and, and organized and went into the fields and that there was a big, there was a big pushback and on having him do that. And so uh, like I said, I wish I had seen the. Well, well, Ed, the thing, um, the interesting. That's 60 years of precedent for overturning. Right. And, and Roberts, uh, Chief Justice Roberts wrote the majority and his, his quote that, you know, was just really stuck out to me, said that the, this, this access regulation grants labor organizations a right to invade the grower's property. Invade, invade. the grower's property. That's the word. Kind, of like, kind of like a weed. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just a fascinating, and I think, you know, and it was six to three ruling. So every conservative member lining yeah. up uh, on yeah. this. And by the way, I got to say, then they come out uh, yesterday protecting, you know, uh, cheer, uh, this uh, cheerleader who, who uh, you know, who mouthed off about, uh, you know. F uh, this, F that, right. 
Right, which I told, you know, and I actually think that was a good ruling because it protected free speech rights. But it was mm-hmm. fascinating. My, my reading of that was that this was, all the experts said this was a very narrow ruling. I mean, she was off school property. She was off school right. time. And so a lot of the experts I was reading were saying that this is not really a very wide ranging uh, opinion. So I'm thinking, so the Supreme Court is willing to come down That's, you know, for, right. a ver- for a very small number of folks it doesn't affect, but, th- but they're going to really kind of screw over you know, tens of thousands of farm workers, you know. There's, well, this is- you know, I, yeah, I think your point is well, is apt. Um, definitely the First Amendment ruling was very limited and they opened up the opportunity to um, still uh, infringe upon speech rights uh, outside of um, the school system in the future, but just not this particular one. But you're right, I, you know, like I said, 60 years of precedence of allowing organizers on the grounds for a limited, limited, limited duration and limited oh, yeah. purpose. Yeah. Um, and and it just shows that this has nothing to do with constitution, constitutional scholarism. It is everything to do with the political uh, makeup of the court that is anti-union. And if they had their way, they would just outlaw unions if they could. Hey, hey, don't, you know, don't even suggest that because it's probably on their list. Oh, I'm Do sure it. it's suggested. But right now, they can't do it. But you were about to say 202 588 Thank you. Right, well done. Question. Yep. But, hey, uh, listen, yeah, so I, what, what, do got what, what do you got on the NCAA for me? Well, so, uh, you know, this is going to be hard for me to talk uh, too, much, too much specifics because I did not read the ruling. I only read the Washington Post article on it. Uh, but basically, uh, the court found that uh, the NCAA has to... Um, provide for some sort of compensation for um, athletes, student athletes, uh, in the form of potentially getting endorsement money and and other types of money. So they're opening up the door now for an employer-employee relationship. It didn't go that far because the case did not um, present the facts that far, but it was a ruling that really is going to devastate the NCAA. And many sports writers and scholars think it's going to – change um pretty dramatically how the ncaa runs from now on huh so from a worker point i mean does that make the does that acknowledge that they're workers i mean how does that work not quite not quite i think that's gonna have to that'll have to be a string of cases to develop a precedent that goes there but it it seems to get closer i mean one you know now that the the court is now recognizing that chris garlock uh, a uh, you know a student athlete at Columbia University can get an endorsement from Gatorade, uh, which clearly you couldn't do under the NCAA rules before. It start, starts to open up the doors to show that there is a uh, it's you're not really quote unquote a student athlete. Um, so uh, it will take. And, and wasn't that always cases? It was, was that I think like yeah. no, was that no. was that always kind of a fiction anyway? Oh well, of course it was a fiction, but you couldn't get any money uh, uh, from the NCAA if you wanted to be, stay a college athlete. So now that you know that does change the dynamic now. Wow, 
Right. All right. Well, again, folks, if you uh, want to weigh in on any of this stuff that Ed and I are talking about, give us a call, 202-588-0893. Kalia will get you on the air so you can talk to us. Uh, also, we'd love to get your reaction to uh, 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 Mr. Smith's, uh, this is the other Mr. Smith, <laughs> uh, song that we played on uh, uh, Scabby the Rat and Fatty the Cat. It's going to be a top 10 hit, I, I feel confident. Um, <laughs> I had a whole series uh, of stories, Ed, that I've been following, and I'm sure you have also. Um, one of the interesting things uh, when I was traveling, and I went through your old stomping grounds, so folks may not remember, uh, Ed's from uh, Albany area, upstate New York. I'm from Rochester, which is the uh, the other end of, of uh, upstate New York. But when we were going from Rochester up to uh, Glens Falls, where my mother-in-law lives, we you know, passed through your area. And I saw the Grateful Dead in Glens Falls. Civic oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Civic Center. Walk, walk right by, walked right by the Civic Center. Still there. I think they have a different name now. But uh, oh, okay. here was the interesting thing was that I forget, how, you know, New York State, uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Pennsylvania. Uh, every town we went through had, uh, you know, you go into you know, different shops, different restaurants and so forth. There was, you know, the the some places, you know, were masks. Some places, if you were vaccinated, you could go in. It was all over the map. Uh, generally, workers had, you know, if you went into a restaurant, the workers wore masks, even if you didn't have to wear a mask if you were mm -hmm. vaccinated. But it was, it was really all over the map. Literally, you know, just just almost, you know, town by town. You could be in the same state and go to a different town, and it would be different, right? And so I've been following these stories, uh, and there's just a huge amount of sort of on the ground battling going on between workers and bosses, you know, as things are, I don't even think normal is a word we should use anymore. I don't know when we're going to be back to normal, but basically as we're coming out of the pandemic and, you know, I think folks at the national level are still trying to be careful. You've got states that are opening up, some states that are not opening up or opening up in different ways, uh, full capacity, half capacity, quarter capacity. So one of the things that I'm curious about what experience you've been seeing, you know, with, with your members where they work, uh, but, you know, this question, I guess it seems to be a consensus that an employer can require and I know you probably followed the story, and I think it was was it Houston where they fired like 150 uh, healthcare workers, hospital yeah. workers. Yeah, and they filed a lawsuit um, on that. Uh, uh, on that, so the lawsuit is litigation is pending. Um, the question uh, is, well, number one, if this was not an emergency um, authorization, if the vaccinations were not an emergency authorization. Uh, it's pretty clear that employers would have the right to um, require their employees to be vaccinated um, as long as they followed um, statutory rules against discrimination. Medical reasons or religious reasons, similar to flu shots. So you can mandate a flu shot in a hospital. You can mandate a nurse taking a flu shot um, if the nurse has religious objections or um, medical um, uh, reasons for not uh, taking the flu shot, then they're not required to take it. Um, but under the emergency authorization, that's where that lawsuit is saying that because it's not fully and finally authorized, that they can't do it until such time. 
Uh, I know that the hospitals in D.C., and you were gone while this happened, the hospitals in D.C. have uh, the Hospital Association, which a number of hospitals in D.C. are part of, have said that they're going to mandate uh, vaccinations throughout D.C. Um, We've had some discussions. Uh, our position, uh, people to voluntarily vaccinate. We think it's important. Forward, uh, and you look, there was another article in the Post today talking about rural communities that have very uh, low percentages of vaccination. They're starting to see the um, spread of COVID come back. Um, the ones with higher rates, they're not coming back. We'll see if that trend continues. Um, but we definitely support nurses to um, and, and other healthcare workers get vaccinated. We don't like the um, the threat of termination, um, especially after people have been performing hard duties for a year and a half over difficult decisions for people to to decide not to decide whether to vaccinate. Um, you know, and, and just from a personal standpoint, from, from a moral standpoint. These people have been working a year and a half under this. And if you remember, Chris, last year, back in March, DCNA talked about um, people not having proper equipment to do their jobs and making use masks or some people not even use a mask and, and not get tested and all this. And we were fighting for all that. And so management put these people in exposure, you know, in a real opportunity to be exposed and now want to put the thumb on them to say you've got to be vaccinated otherwise we're going to fire you uh, again i don't want to say you know i think it is important to be vaccinated but i don't like the idea of um, forcing vaccination I so know, yeah a lot, that, lot to that yeah 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 no and, that, and that's sort of where i was landing too which is you know i was looking at that that story and then you know i, I was seeing it sort of playing out in, in other you know workplaces across the country and you know, from a worker standpoint, yeah, I agree. I'm I'm very uncomfortable with you know you know requirements and then people being threatened with you know uh, disciplining or termination. On the other hand, you know, it seems like a no-brainer that people. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody should get vaccinated, but certainly, I, I you know, it, it makes a hundred percent sense that people yeah. working in a hospital should get vaccinated. And so yeah. I kind of you know kind of conflicted there, to be honest. It is very. It's it's. <laughs> It's probably one of the hardest questions I think I've seen um, uh, among uh, our union in years. And just on a personal note, I finally did have a, a paid performance out of the club uh, musically last weekend, and um, nobody was wearing masks, and I was I, freaking out. I know, right? I and mean, people, you know, a couple of people were coming up to hug me, and I was like, I don't want to, you know. And I was joking around with somebody, and I said, you know, I feel like I'm a 14 year old again. I'm totally socially awkward. <laughs> I'm not really not ready to hug yet, um, but but you know, how do I show that? You know, I feel like you know, I don't know what I'm doing. It's a 14 year old kid anymore, it's, and and the whole world's going back that way. But yes, I was extremely. I, I had fun playing. I was away from people, but on the other hand, there were no masks anywhere, and there was all these 25, 30 year old kids dancing and sweating, and you know, 10 feet away. Yeah. And, and I think, and um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a, even though I've been fully vaccinated. 
Well, I mean, the thing is, I think what a lot of us are worried about is I'm starting to see reports about this new variant and, you know, spikes. I know I've got a a best friend down in Australia. They're having a pretty serious spike down there. They're probably going to lock down again. So uh, let me just get a couple of other ones in here before we uh, before we wrap in just a couple of minutes. We could talk. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's, absolutely. Um, What's been interesting, the other thing that I saw at, uh, you know, universally as as we traveled i have never ever in my life uh you're lucky i came back because i could have gotten so many jobs i mean literally you know help wanted signs everywhere everywhere Mm -hmm. i mean just you know signs in shop windows billboards you know um just just amazing uh amounts of of stuff going on uh that that uh, where people are just looking uh, looking for workers, desperate for workers, and the corollary to that, uh, by the way, as Smith is so many people, we we you know went out to a bunch of restaurants, and so many people working in restaurants that clearly had like just started. You'd ask them, you know, something basic, yeah, and they'd, right. they'd be like, "Yeah, I don't know. I just started yesterday. <laughs> you know, I barely know where the uh, well. Where the hopefully, is. hopefully they're paying them. Hopefully they're paying them a fair wage. I know we don't have much time left, but um, and if we're concluding, I would love, hey. Socialist mayor, Buffalo, New York, just won her primary. She did. She did. My my guess, though, is that uh, there may be some more drama in Buffalo before before the general. Generally, if you win the primary in Buffalo, you're a shoo-in right. for mayor. Uh, I'd say watch that one carefully. Uh, you know, somebody may, some other folks may jump in for the, uh, for the general. Hey, Kalia, are we going out at uh, 54? Is that, is that, is that what I'm, is that what I'm seeing here? Let me just get a thumbs up on, on that one. I, we, we haven't done this in a while. 54. All right. 54. 30. All right. So yeah, we got it. We, we, we don't know how to run the show anymore. <laughs> I know. Right. So yeah, no, he, Ed's right. So keep an eye on what's happening up uh, there in Buffalo and other places. Uh, real quick. Uh, some company named Bumble, and I'm sorry, I don't know what they what they are, but uh, uh, but I'm going to give them a shout out because Bumble CEO announced that it's giving its uh, workers a full paid off a week off uh, to help them with burnout. This is in addition to their normal very vacation. Uh, Hootsuite is also doing that, giving them, their workers a paid wellness week off over the summer. You can bet your bottom dollar I'll be talking to to folks about that. So so good one. Good, good, good on Bumble, good on Hootsuite, and anybody else out there. All right, that is going to do it for this week's edition of Your Rights at Work. Hope you enjoyed it. Tune in next week, same time, same station. Thanks to Mike Nacella. Thanks to Kalia for engineering. Everybody continue to be safe out there wherever you are, and we will see you all next week. Good to see you, Ed. Peace and love and power. This is a public service.